Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Fox Nomad Podcast. I'm your host, Fox Nomad, Anil Pollett. Welcome to the last episode of Season 3. I have a guest today, Dennis Pollat. Also happens to be my sister. Also happens to be the content strategist for the Fox Nomad Podcast, who helps arrange a lot of the topics and the guests that we've had during this season. So I wanted to have her on a little bit of behind the scenes. And just to kind of go over what we've done in season three, um, I want to start with the travel recap. Uh, originally, I was like, oh, I, I've been traveling for, since the last episode, and I would do like a couple of extra episodes, but then I realized then we wouldn't be having the end of season three. We wouldn't really be having a break. And uh, we built. I, I built these breaks in so that both so that I can rest, but also it takes a lot of preparation to get the season ready from beginning to end there's actually a lot of work behind the scenes that that takes place so this kind of break helps us plan for season four but also gives us some time to to kind of rest and recover and do all the stuff behind the scenes that that needs to take place so hi so it's weird having a it's not it's not weird having a guest but um so yeah it's 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 nice having somebody to talk to and it's not not just me talking to myself so um, I guess we'll start with a couple of uh, travel recap. So in between now, I feel like in the last episode, which was two weeks ago, I feel like I have been to a thousand places, but I guess we'll start with Iraq. So I, I, I went to Baghdad for a couple of days on a very spontaneous trip. Um, actually, I went with uh, another creator, Wandering Earl, who... Derek Barron, who he was like, oh, I'm going to Baghdad. We've been talking about maybe going. Do you want to go? And I was like, sure. So I booked the tickets I'm, I, you know, from Istanbul and went over to Baghdad. And I had no idea what to expect. I mean, I was doing some research, like looking at different travel vlogs and trying to see what it would be like, like like the hotel wasn't in the green zone. And I, the only thing I knew was like the green zone is safe, right? Like that's where I should be. And, you know, and it was like, there are no hotels really in the green zone and there's not really a green zone kind of anymore. So anyway, I was wondering if it was going to be like legitimately how wild it was going to be. You know, I figured it was safe enough that people were going. I know that there have been tours have, have begun there. And have started. So I was like, all right, it, it must be safe enough. But like, how rugged is it going to be? Like, is it going to be one of these exhausting trips? And it actually turned out to be way more normal than I expected. Um, I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I was just going to say, I feel like you've been to other like, quote unquote, unsafe places or you know places we would think are unsafe before um how would you say this was different from other places maybe in the middle east that you've been to so i had a guide while i was there to just to arrange because it was a very short schedule and i figured it would be a good idea um and he put it the best way um by the way, the guide is 19, right? So he's like 19 or 20 years old, a young guy. And, and I bring that up uh, for a good reason, but I'll, I'll tell you in a minute. But he put it simply and he said, 
Baghdad and generally traveling in Iraq right now is risky, but it's not dangerous. And then he went to say, like in the markets where I had been traveling, first of all, like it's super modern, right? Like it, like Baghdad is super modern. Like there's Starbucks and they, they were telling me it was fake Starbucks, but honestly, I mean, the, the cups and like, it, it was, it had to have been a Starbucks. I mean, there's no way it was fake. Like, you know, like to put that much money into a fake one, you might as well just have a franchise. So it was very modern and very not what I expected. Um, but he he did say, yeah, you know, there was this bombing here, you know, in a market six months ago. And then the one before that was seven months ago. And then the one before that was seven months ago. And I was thinking, all right, well, you know, a bombing every six months is not normal, right? right? Like most cities don't have that. He said they don't usually target foreigners. They're not, probably not going to be targeting the places that you're going to be visiting um, because targeting foreigners means the chance of like the government getting involved or the U.S. getting involved or like that's going to bring heat on whoever's doing all the, the stuff. So he said it's probably unlikely. Hey, so like maybe like the first day walking around the market, I was like, well, I guess. I mean, this it's crowded, right? Like, you know, if something happens, it happens. But once you're there, like you don't feel people people are so friendly and so nice. Like, I mean, it's crazy. Like people just come up to you and talk to you, especially with the camera, having the camera out and the microphone and stuff. And People are so friendly. Like, it didn't feel. I I would feel more unsafe in New York City, to be absolutely honest with you. I'd rather walk around Baghdad at 9 p.m. than New York City. Like, you know what I mean? So you didn't feel. Yeah, and it was so modern and new, and like, yeah, it it didn't feel as dangerous as it may be statistically. It was pretty easy to get around, and yeah, it was. Yeah, risky but not dangerous. I think that's the best way to put it. Interesting. I feel like that's maybe more common in the Middle East than you know people expect. I I feel like that region of the world has a reputation um, and is scary for a lot of foreigners or for travelers from the West. And I feel like the risky but not dangerous is maybe a more common um, characterization, um, you know, there. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, right? Like, I bring up the guide being 20 years old, 19 years old. In my head, I am not 20 years old. I am a lot older <laughs> than that. So in my head, like in my life that I've been alive and that I can remember, I remember the first Iraq war, like in the 90s. I remember that. And I have lived through the 2000s. I remember the Iraq wars and, you know, them finding Saddam Hussein and hanging him and all that stuff is fresh. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's what I think of when I think of the country. And obviously there was ISIS like four years ago, very close to Baghdad, you know, and you you see a very strong security presence around the city. Like there are tanks on and armored Humvees on every block. There's security at every mall. I mean, a lot of security. Like not just 
like in Turkey, you have security at malls where you, you know, put your things through an x-ray machine, but it's really just kind of like, they're just kind of like, you know what I mean? Like it's not mm-hmm. in, in, in Baghdad, it's serious. Like they're looking through your stuff. They're making you take, like I had camera equipment. I wasn't allowed to take it in a lot of malls and so on and so on. Um, so in my head, that's what I have for the, like the guide. And I met a couple of other people who were like his age, 19, 20. And when I spoke with them, they were like really optimistic and really looking forward to the future. They were like, this is the first time that we have, that we feel like, okay, now we can move forward. They don't have the memories of the 1990 Iraq war. I mean, they were born in 2000. They barely, you know, like Saddam Hussein died when they were like seven. You know what I mean? And it's a really young population. Now, if you talk to the older people, 40, 50, 60 and above, it's they're more like cautious about what the future holds because they've been on this, you know, the seesaw up and down, mm-hmm. but the young people don't seem to have that. So it was kind of different, uh, like a different perspective. And it gave me, I don't know, it gave me kind of hope. I, I filmed a, a video there where I spoke to a lot of people to get their opinions on a lot of different stuff. And it was pretty interesting. Um, but it is a really kind of special place. Like it's, I don't know. Uh, I, it's not a destination for everybody. Like it's not the, the risk tolerance is not going to bring in the masses backpackers. Yeah, probably. I, I think in the next four years, assuming, which is a major assumption that things re- remain as they are or get better. There's going to be a lot of backpackers going because like, it's really easy to travel. It's clean. It's, hotels are super expensive. Like, you know, one, $200 a night you can find cheaper ones, right? You can get them for like 20 bucks a night, but I've seen those hotels. So unless your budget is really low, like just, you know, just, you know, get, get a nice hotel. Um, because otherwise you're going to be, it's, it's going to be way, it's not going to be as nice. Let's put it that way. There's, <laughs> there's a nice hotel and then there's like the budget, 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 budget hotel, and there's nothing in between. So, um, but yeah, you go there, you feel like you're the first person who's ever been there. People come up to you and talk to you. You really have this nice experience. Will stuff happen? Yeah, I'm sure. Like they're, they're talking about dismantling the green zone. Like there's a big push now by the public to get rid of it because they feel like they don't need it and it blocks up traffic. Like it's like a big undrivable section in the absolute middle of the city. So to go like three kilometers from one side of the river to the other, you actually are driving like eight or nine and you have to go around the green zone there are checkpoints, you know, they check passports and all that stuff. And then the traffic there is like for two kilometers, right? Like a thing you could walk in 20 minutes. I had sat in a car for over an hour, you know, like that kind of, like it's parking lot. Like it's, it's parking lot. And you're like, oh, you could have walked it. And like, yeah, if I knew where I was going and it wasn't a hundred, I'm not joking, 115 Fahrenheit outside. It was like 40, 45 degrees Celsius. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. So, yeah. So I think it's going to be, yeah, I think it's, like, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those places where I was like, you know, if something happens while I'm here, I wouldn't be surprised because it's mm-hmm. so common. 
but looking around like you know, i mean when you're sitting at a freaking starbucks or you're at one of the the malls or one of their like nice restaurants which there are a ton of and you know, if, if you don't feel it i mean you don't feel it from the public you don't feel it from anybody who's around so um, would you say making the travel arrangements to go there was an easy process so yeah it was super easy they have a visa on arrival for 81 countries now um uh, it's very very new so as of march when i was checking in from istanbul so that there's like two or three flights or maybe more a day from Istanbul going back and forth. The check-in, I flew, I wanted to try Baghdad Air. I think it's called Baghdad Air. Um, <laughs> that was an experience in, in, in of itself. But like, they didn't, they were like, no, you can't go. You don't have a visa. And I was like, no, it's visa on arrival. And they were like, no, it's not. It was like, call your whoever you got to call. It's a hundred, I'm certain of it. Finally, it took them like 10 minutes which is surprising because you would think the airline would know it's a visa on arrival. And it's not just like visa on arrival for two countries. It's like, you know, 81 countries, like most of Europe, US, so on and so on. Um, you arrive. It's a, you know, it's a easy to fly in. There's a bunch of flights. The flight, you know, there people were saying the plane is going to like corkscrew down or whatever. So I was waiting for it to like doing like backflips and stuff. It takes one really, really sharp turn on the way down. And I don't think that's security related. I think that is way exaggerated. People have said that they're doing that so you don't get shot down or whatever. But the lights of the plane were on. It's not like they, they dimmed the lights in the cabin, which they should have done. I was landing in the middle of the night. They do that. You know, they dim the lights in the plane when you land in case there's an accident so that your eyes are adjusted to the dark. That's why they do it. So in case you have to oh. exit the plane, the lights... Your, you know, your eyes don't have to adjust. And during the day, the reason they tell you to bring up the shades is for the very same reason, just so that your eyes are already adjusted. Um, so they didn't bother to do that. So if, if we did have to run out to the runway in the middle of the night, I, I wouldn't be able to see anything for <laughs> So I was like, you know, if it was really that dangerous from getting shot down, they would have turned the lights off in the plane. I've been to places where they turn all of the lights off, except maybe like, you know, the transponder light or whatever, like, all of the lights and they make you put your shades down like they're doing that so that the plane is less visible they didn't do that it makes one sharp turn it's probably just because of where the airport is you land you get to the airport there's like one guy at a desk they don't tell you any of this there's nobody at the desk and you go there they call some people and it takes like 10 or 15 minutes for them to like slowly give you your visa it's just it's just disorganized you pay like $80. And then once you're through, you're through. Um, the hotel pickup didn't arrive. That was some confusion. So it took some WhatsApp calls and stuff. It was, dis it was just disorganized. They eventually showed up. But the thing about the airport is once you leave, you can't go back inside. It's like 2 a.m. when the flights arrive. It's usually like in the middle of the night. And then the the way you get to the airport and they're going to get rid of this is there's two checkpoints so like if you were to take a taxi from town to the airport you go to one place get out in the checkpoint they check you and then the cabs from that checkpoint on to the airport can only go from that point on into the airport because they've been like cleared if that makes sense mm -hmm. and the other ones have it now going to the airport you just get a shuttle there's like a vip shuttle that's like 10 dollars they take you in like a really nice Jeep and you 
bypass all the checkpoints. So, so yeah, so getting in, it was like a little weird. It was like people screaming in the airport for whatever reason. There was like a fight that broke out. Just like disorganized, like people fighting over, hey man, they bumped into me or whatever. So it was it was pretty easy. I, I say, yeah, you could anybody could do it. Now, if you're not very experienced traveling and you show up and then you have to go to the desk and wait 10 minutes, it's probably gonna freak you out. But it's not too uncommon. If you've been to anywhere like disorganized or third worldish, uh, it's pretty run of the mill. So yeah, really amazing place. I wish I had more time. I really liked it. Um, yeah, that was that was Baghdad. So those videos will be coming up. Oh boy, uh, as fast as I can edit, because I haven't even gotten to editing Guatemala videos yet. Um, and I haven't been editing for the last couple of weeks because I've been traveling around Turkey. So that happened over the last... I just arrived in Istanbul t- this morning after a week-long trip overland pretty much all the way out to the east so i took the i I was in istanbul i took a train to ankara i took the high-speed train here the high-speed train is not as high speed as you would think it's relatively high speed it takes still takes four and a half hours it's a distance from dc washington dc to new york Uh, in japan they have high-speed train that will take you that distance in like two hours, you know what I mean? But still. Sounds a little reg- regular speed. <laughs> yeah, it's like regular speed. And it stops like a bunch of times. Like it stops a bunch of times. Uh, it's a really nice train though, like brand new train. Um, it gets up to 250 kilometers an hour at some points, but because it stops so much, you know, like it still takes four and a half hours. So it's not that fast. And it ended up being five, closer to five hours. Um, so I took that train, I went to Ankara, and then I took what's called the Doha Express, which is the East Express. So there's two versions of it. It's a train that goes from Ankara, which is a kind of central, west central Turkey, and goes all the way to Kars. Kars is a city in the very, very far northeastern corner, northeastern corner of Turkey, close to Georgia, close to Armenia. It's like out there. Um that train is a, well, there's two of them. There's a touristic one, which takes 32 hours. It is only sleeper cars. It goes three times a week and it costs um, like two or three times as much. It's going to cost like at most 60 or $80. A lot of money in Turkey, but like for the train ride that it is, you know, it's not bad. There's a local one that goes every day though. So the touristic train stops at five cities and you get three hours in each city, which is kind of dumb, like, because you can't see anything in three hours. You know what I mean? Because like you, let's say you get to the city on the train, you got three hours. If you don't know where you are, it's going to take you some time to figure it out. Take a cab into town. That's already almost in, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes gone. You have like an hour to like look at one thing and then come back. So it's, kind of dumb the local train stops at like it said it's going to stop at like 30 places along the way but i don't think it was it might have been 30 places that one goes every day there's sleeper cars then there are cabins with six people that you can sit you know like if you want like your own room with friends or family 
and then there's like basically like the general seating area. I went with the general seating area. I wanted to see what the cheapest way to do it was. <laughs> I went all the way across Turkey from Ankara to Kars for five dollars and eighty cents. Wow. Yeah, the the bullet train cost. 227 lira which at the time i say at the time because by the time anybody's listening to this the prices the inflation here is so crazy it might change but i think that's gonna be uh let me look it up i mean that's not that much more expensive but like five dollars going all the way across the country is uh you know pretty nuts all right so the bullet train so you were like sitting up the whole time like sitting in a regular seat the whole time yeah, but it's like really big. Like it's a, it's not like a bus mm -hmm. or a plane. Like it's a pretty big seat. Um, it was pretty comfortable. As the train goes on, people are getting off. So it's you know people are getting off to go to work, or you know going back home. It's an alternative to the bus. It's slower than a bus, but it is mm -hmm. infinitely more comfortable, and it is also cheaper. So if you're taking the train versus the bus, it's cheaper. So as people get off. Like then there's open rows that you can just lay down and sleep, you know? Okay. So I I wanted to do that rather than take the bed. I, I could have done it either way, but it was super fun because the people who are sitting in the seats, like, I mean, that's like local people, it's families, most people going to work, little like grandmas bringing a ton of food. I, I mean, it was really fun. Like you talked after, you know, the, the train is supposed to take 20 six and a half hours it was like five six hours late which is very common for the train by the way so it ended up being 32 hours and it was a blast I, it was one of the most fun things i've ever done like super fun i made fr you make friends with everybody yeah everybody's going back and forth between the the food car everybody's just hanging out there so you hang out with them food car doesn't really have food you really have to bring your own food like they have a couple of snacks but you know, like the grandmas, they had like uh, like köfte sandwiches, which is like a Turkish like meatball sandwich kind of with tomatoes. And then they would wake up in, in the morning and they'd have like omelets. And these all coming in like little like, you know, used plastic <laughs> containers. Like they had three course meals every day with a bunch of tea. Like, they, you know, like the, I wonder how much money they make on tea on that freaking train. By the way, the train is so cheap, the local train is so cheap is because it's subsidized by the government. So there are subsidies, subsidies there which regulate the price of the train and also the food and the tea on the train. So, um, And that's mostly because it's a, like for working class people, right? So it's mostly um, those prices that are caused. But super fun. Yeah, you just make friends. You're going into the, around your seat, you know, you, especially I was traveling solo, you kind of like, you want to know the people around you because I was just leaving my stuff when I was walking up and down the train or if I was filming or whatever, like you kind of want them to keep an eye on your stuff. But I mean, it was super safe. Like, I mean, the, the grandmas had me covered, uh, their husbands were hanging out, like drinking tea in the, you know, in the dining car It's like people smoking in between the, you're not supposed to smoke on the train, but like everybody was smoking you know, in the train in between the cars and stuff. It, it was fun. I mean, there was young people too. It was like travelers as well. Very few people went to cars all the way from Ankara. It was like, I'd say 20% of the train. 
So it got pretty empty for the last stretch. And in between the last two stops, it got more crowded from mostly from Erzurum to the cars. It got more crowded as people were going uh, along. Did you see any tourists on the local train? Nope. Ah, okay. <laughs> no tourists. Not no. There was no <laughs> foreigner. No tourists. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. It. It's awesome though. They do have bed. I mean, like they have beds, and those cost ten dollars. I mean, like, so you can do it. You know, originally my plan was to just book out one of the the rooms and just get a four because it's four beds in a room. I was like, oh, I'll just pay forty bucks and take the whole room and you know, like do it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That. I mean, I'd rather take. The local, I think the local one is a better deal. It's the same trip. It's cheaper. Like, there's more trains. The tourist one sells out. Like, it, you you can't find tickets for it. So, yeah. I wonder if tourists maybe don't know don't know about this like local train yeah, or something. Exactly. Yeah, they don't really know about ah. it. <laughs> and also, like, it's confusing because everything is in Turkish. So, like, man, I gotta say, like as far as Turkish tourism bureau or whatever goes, like if I didn't know Turkish, it would be so much more difficult to do any of this. One, the, the, the banks here, none of the websites really take foreign credit cards. So you got to go to a train station or you can go to a post office. But if you've ever been to a Turkish post office, like you might as well, however far away the nearest train station is, you better just go there. So you have to buy the tickets in person. You know, you can't use a foreign credit card. And the guy who sold me the tickets, this genius, but I, I was an idiot too because I didn't really check the ticket, gives me the train from Istanbul to Ankara, right? So I'm going to get there in the morning and the afternoon, my four hours, and then take the train a couple hours later to cars. He gives me the tickets from Istanbul to Ankara is on, let's say, Monday. And then the other part of the ticket, he gave me on the wrong day. It was Tuesday. So I show up at the train station going to Ankara and the lady's like, oh, this is Monday. This ticket is for Tuesday. But I show her the other ticket and she's like, oh yeah, this ticket is for Monday. Oh, you know, you have 10 minutes, go to the guy at the kiosk and see if you can change your ticket, but the train is full. So I go there and as is Turkish tradition, the guy lectures me, why didn't you check the ticket? Why didn't you check the ticket? I was like, I looked at the ticket a million times. It's like one of those things, like, you know, your eyes, if you don't see it, you don't see it, you know? It's like, I missed it. You know what I mean? I expect that I tell the guy I need to, like how he knows where I'm going. And this, by the way, is the second time I bought these tickets because I was originally going to go and then I went to Baghdad. So I didn't, you know, do it the first time. So the guy's seen me before. And he knows my trip, right? Like, I'm going on Monday. I'm going to go to Ankara, and then I'm going to catch the, the long tree. Anyway, last second, I was able to do it. Next to me, there were some German tourists that a Turkish guy was translating for, and they had screwed up their tickets too. So this must be Cobbin. I don't know where they got their ticket. And they could not get on the train that I was getting on because there was no space. So there was two of them. There was one of me. But I'm really glad that I got to change. I was thinking like, yeah, I'm taking one of your your spots, guys. But uh, yeah, so <laughs> it worked out. Uh, one of the best trips I've ever had in my life. Like the last week was easily one of the best trips I've ever taken. Um, I just, I'll give a quick recap. And when the videos come out, maybe in season four, we can go over it. But Kars, 
uh, a city that has been ruled by the Russians, by the Armenians, by the Turks. It has seen a lot of people going back and forth. I stayed in a hotel that was a former Russian hospital, maternity ward. Um, and so it was like just, I, I got to bring up the price. You know, the hotel was like $20, not even $20 a night. I think it was yeah, something like that. It was one that it just looked like a castle. Uh, it looked really cool, cool, like super, like almost like haunted and creepy. Um, beautiful. And Kars is like a city that's really small. I think the population is like 80 or 60,000. But they know the tourism industry has been totally wrecked because foreigners don't go because they don't know about it. And locals, the economy in Turkey right now is really, really bad. So there's many, many, many less Turks that can actually, that have money for traveling. But the city is built for tourism. Like everything is like boutique. Like they have these, the way it's set up is like, here's your, here's this stop. And then here's this site. Here's this photo site. And then here are these restaurants. And then here, like it's clearly whoever's running it or whoever, you know, was maybe the mayor at the time. I don't know. Built for tourism. Beautifully cute city. Um, famous for its cheese. So there's a very famous cheese that's from Kars, uh, Kashar, which is like a, like a kind of, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a semi-soft cheese. There's versions of it too, by the way. It's, there's not just one, but, um, but it melts. So if you've ever had like a Turkish toast, if you've ever been here, they have this, to you know, those toast sandwiches, it's going to be made with this cheese, which melts and super oily, but it's just awesome. Honey is really popular. I had no idea it was from Kars. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. I learned something new today. <laughs> yep. Ton of cheese. Yeah. There's like everything is a cheese shop there. Uh, and honey. Honey is pretty popular there too. And you see that on the train, which is funny. Like you just see like a bunch of those beehives, you know, those wooden beehive things. Mm -hmm. And you just see it. I'm like, well, there must be honey here. And there you go. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, I was like, whoa, like, because it's mountains, right? Like you're like, what can they grow there? Like I guess they can't, so they just make honey and cheese. So yeah, the cheese that's cheese region. Um, from there, I rented a car. Um, I'm probably going to have a very long rant on a big car rental company. Uh, probably it's a to, that was an adventure in its own. All right, but I rented a car. I went to the next stop was to Rize, which is on the Black Sea coast. So I'm gonna. Basically, the plan was to slowly make my way to the Black Sea, you know, across the Black Sea, back to Istanbul. That is tea region of Turkey. So honey is also a big thing there. The honey is different. The honey is pollinated. They have a honey that's pollinated by chestnut trees. And it's supposed to have medicinal qualities. It, it You eat it, it's sweet. But it's also got a very, like, almost like a spicy flavor to it. It was awesome. It was the best honey I've ever had in my life. I don't know how to describe it. I don't like just super <laughs> sweet honey. It was like this dark brown. It was really good. The people there swear by it and they tell you not to eat too much because you can get sick. Like it can increase your blood pressure and that too much of it is not good and cause hallucinations and so on. I don't know if that's true. Um, you know, in central Turkey for a very long time and still happens, a lot of the honey is pollinated by bees that get the pollen from poppy uh, flowers. 
So back in the day, the honey could get you, potentially if you ate large amounts of it, could get you high because it had opium in it. <laughs> I don't know like how much or if that's true, but I wonder if these kind of rumors about eating too much honey and hallucinating comes from that perhaps. I don't know. I ate a bunch of it. Like I felt fine. I was like, then when you told me that, I was like, yeah, I'm going to eat extra. Let's see what happens. Um, but yeah, so the T region, I think, I think the, the area outside of Rizza might be my favorite in Turkey. Like it, it's like Lord of the ring, like the drive from cars to Rizza is hands down the most beautiful drive I've ever taken. It's June. It's hot outside. You're going up the mountains from cars. Like the, the the environment changes like so much. But you're going up the mountains and there's still snow up there. Like there's like there was like a meter and a half of snow on the mountains. And when I say like, I mean not like mountains that I'm at a distance, like mountains like I'm driving next to a meter and a half of snow while it's like 70 degrees, 20 Celsius outside. So at night it gets pretty cold there's still there that much snow that means you know three four months ago that that was probably like 20 feet of snow it had to have been there's no way there's still snow there yeah uh there were shepherds every shepherd would wave at me so i stopped and i talked to one of the guys i mean i was like on the top of a mountain that i had not seen a car in like two hours the whole drive was about six hours um the distance is 130 37 miles was 200 and something kilometers. It's not far, but it you're going through the mountains. So it's a lot of like left, right? Like crazy U-turns mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, so yeah, I talked to the shepherd, just had, had his uh, sheep and his dog. And like, he just waved. So I was like, oh, I'll stop and say, what's going on? And I take a break. Like it's my pit stop. You know, it's not like there's a gas station or anything <laughs> on the way. That uh, was really cool. And then as you go over the mountains, you get to the real high point, there's snow. If you look behind you, it's just rocks. It's like, it, it's pretty dry. You know, there's like some shrubs and stuff. And then if you look ahead of you, it's green, like as green and green as can be. And that's when you're like, I guess that's where the mountain range divides and you get to the, like the, you're going toward the Black Sea. So I'm guessing the mountains catch all the moisture in the water. And it's a very rainy region. It's a lot like, it reminded me a lot of Seattle, Vancouver, parts of Canada, northern Sweden, where you have this kind of misty, rainy, these tall green trees, that kind of environment. Um, so yeah, so then you just drive through like, I mean, it was, they should film movies there. Like it was like, like Lord of the Rings is <laughs> like little cabins on top of the mountains inside of these green trees. Uh, people picking tea like old style when they're like harvesting tea and like have it on these satchels on their back climbing down these mountains and I regret I didn't bring my drone like I I was like you're not yeah drones are not allowed in Turkey and so on but this would have been the place to do it Um, so I regret not doing that and if you're wondering everybody there are going to be videos of all this stuff coming out so make sure you're subscribed to the to the YouTube channel, the Fox Nomad YouTube channel. You get to see all these places. Um, but it was just really beautiful. I found a hidden breakfast spot. It's like a cabin, like an hour, 
maybe like 45 minutes outside of Riza, like there's a river. The guy had like, he was showing me his house. He's like, yeah, my family's house has been there for like a hundred something years. It's like a mansion. It was, <laughs> I don't know how high up, but it was high up enough on the mountain and I'm already in the mountains. High up enough in the mountains and there's nothing else, just the house, tea field and another house. That's like probably like a 40 minute walk. He said back in the day, it would take you, if he, when he was a kid to walk up there, he could do it in like 30 minutes running, he said. Uh, it would look tough, but he said normally for like adults, it's an hour and a half up and down walking. He said, now there's a road, so you can take a Jeep up there. It's like off like a dirt road that they kind of made. Mm -hmm. And to get the tea down, they have it on a teleferico. Um, I guess that's what it's called, teleferico. So they bring it down, it's processed. Mm -hmm. But like... I mean, that house, I don't know if my drone could have reached the house. It's that high up and that far wow. away. I mean, it was, it's pretty crazy. Like, yeah. And they built that house before, like, it says 120 years old. And he was like, yeah, like, people just carried the stones on their back. They made, like, these lines. Like, it was basically like a, what do you call that? Like a conveyor system where... You know, someone takes the rocks up, like, you know, however so far, and then another person picks it up, takes it up. And mm -hmm. uh, so anyway, it was beautiful. The breakfast there was like, out of control, like out of control. They made me a breakfast that had like 30 things on the table. Uh, they have this thing called Quimak, which is a like a, I guess it's a black sea thing. It's basically cornmeal, cheese, and oil that is fried in a pan. And man, it is like, I don't know what the hell my cholesterol is now, but poof, that was so good. Um, so yeah, so I had an amazing time there. From there, I went to, where did I go? I went to Trabzon on the Black Sea coast uh, from Rize, which is like an hour drive away. Um, just, to, I guess, the TLDR version. I went to a place called Sumena, which is a ancient monastery that they built, I don't know when, I should look that up. It's old. A very long time ago. <laughs> very long time ago. And like they built it like into the side of the mountain. It's high up. <laughs> like, like with cars and stuff, you know, it's like an hour away from Trab Zone. Again, it's only like 12 miles away, but it's these freaking mountain roads. Um, so you get there. And then you, they drop you off at the parking lot and then you have to take another bus up to the bottom of the monastery. And then from there, you got to walk 800 meters up. Like it's intense. Like oh, people wow. were like struggling. Like uh, people could, I mean, people need to, I, it's like it, it was intense, but like it, you could really see everybody's athletic level and whether they were smokers or not, because <laughs> people were really struggling. Um, again, it's like one of those places that I don't think a lot of people know about. It's like for what it was, there wasn't that many tourists. I'd say half were Turkish. The other majority were Arab tourists. Like not that crowded, but it's like built into the rock. Man, it, I mean, ama like amazing. It's just one of the most amazing places ever. Um, what did I do after that? And then I went to Samsun, Turkey, again, Black Sea Coast. Uh, just 
amazing thanks to Dennis who helps plan where I'm going to film and eat and all that stuff. I found Samson, the city is like really, it's like a functional city. It's not too big. You know, it's got 1.3 million people, but it feels smaller. Um, but there's not like, it doesn't have like a food culture in the city. It's just shops. Like it's just people go there to, you can tell like it's, it's, it's just like work. And I was like, oh man, this city sucks. Like it's, <laughs> it's like great. I couldn't find anything to eat. Like it was just like, it's just like, you know, like dinner kebabs and like nothing great. Like just kind of like crappy ones. But then if you go a little bit outside the city, like, you know, two or three miles outside toward the beach, that's where all the restaurants are. That's what they told me. Finally, I learned that they were like, oh yeah, that's where all the restaurants are. Those are really, really nice. Like good food. You're by the water. Um, yeah. So I, I have gone on and on and on about all of these great places to go. I guess I get, yeah. Um, like, oh, should I make this a separate episode? Nah, we'll just make this a long episode, whatever. Screw it. Um, last episode, last episode of the season. Uh, so yeah, so that was, that was kind of the trip. Uh, Black Sea coast of Turkey, definitely something that people should put on their list. Like don't just stay in Istanbul. Istanbul is great. There's a lot to see here. There's a lot of history. But you've got to get outside the city. Like, I mean, I know people who come here, they maybe do Cappadocia, which is great. And then they'll go to the Aegean coast, but the Black Sea coast in the summer and the winter is like, I mean, with all the snow, it's probably amazing. If You know, like they're skiing out there and, and all that stuff. But yeah, it's like, you'll feel like you're the first traveler. Also very, very inexpensive. Hotels, very cheap. Food right now, if you have dollars or euros, very, very cheap. People are super friendly. The culture is so different from like from Rize to Trabzon, Samsung. The people look different. The accents are different. The food starts changing. Cars is totally its own thing. Um, yeah, so let's see. It was an amazing trip. And uh, I guess after this episode, then I go to Kazakhstan and then I go to. Kyrgyzstan so we've got those two coming up and then I'll probably stay put for a little while because somebody has to edit the videos otherwise I just have a hard drive full of videos <laughs> and I'm like paranoid that the hard drives are gonna like if something happens to those hard drives like I will just I will think my heart will stop there's all the footage is on there it's backed up you know to the cloud it's backed up but it's a lot of footage so it's not getting to the cloud like it's not getting up there fast enough and they have a backup hard drive but like if something happens to those hard drives like I'm like that's like, like from Guatemala to now, like that's just true. So, yeah. Yeah, I almost forgot that you even went to Guatemala. It feels like so long ago because you've done so much in between then and now. Yeah, uh, I feel like Guatemala pandemic... feels like it was last year. <laughs> yeah, like I was just in Guatemala last month. I, th I think it was in May. Yeah, it was just in May. <laughs> it's like it might as yeah, it feels so long ago. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so like I, I gotta edit those. And then there's also I was thinking about like I take a bunch of notes while I'm traveling and when I'm filming just so I know. But there's stuff that comes into my I guess we can you know what? Let's do this. Let's jump into the QA portion real quick and then we'll go recap the season. No, let's not. Let's not. Let's not. All right, okay. Uh, I'll just say this quickly because editing comes to mind. 
you know, when I, ed- people have told me a lot of people who have much more successful YouTube channels and larger channels than mine told me, get an editor. That way you can just put out, just focus on one thing. The problem is a lot of times, like when it comes to facts or tidbits or things I want to add, those require some voiceover. I try not to use it, uh, you know, too much. I try not to lean on it. I try to say what I can say, you know, on camera and whatever. But then there's also like the actual how I felt and the whole putting that story together, you know, like that comes, that's in the editing. I'm just filming all the time. And then the editing is what organizes it. I worry, you know, like I take a bunch of notes because I worry like I'm going to not remember like that day in Guatemala when I filmed this thing, where I went, how I felt, like all that, you know, so yeah, long time. All right. So, (laughs) all right. So right after I was going to put in a commercial break right here, but hopefully I put one in earlier because I'm, I'm going over, but hey, you know what? This is the last, this is the season three finale extravaganza. So there you go. Uh, Hopefully you found some of those travel stories interesting. Um, And you check out the videos so that you can see all these places and get links to where you can go and eat. The breakfast place in Riza, I will just say it one last time. If you could eat there with that view, that's heaven. That was like, like so perfect. It's like a cabin that's in the mountain, within mountains, run by a family, like just the coolest people. So good. Calls five. Did you just drive by it and run into it? It was on my list. So I were you going there? Uh, I was going there specifically. It was on my list of places I researched. I did not realize that it was outside of Rize. So both in Rize and Trabzon, these Black Sea cities, there are breakfast places that are outside of the city, that are like a good half hour, 40 minutes outside of the cities, where people go camping, there's rafting, there's zip lining. But that's where the breakfast places are. And there's like, I mean, it's like, I guess it's for people who are driving in and out through that area because there's a highway that basically runs all the way across. So there's a lot of travelers going through. So if you know about it and you know, you're making that drive, you might stop there or like a family weekend breakfast. Uh, So yeah, so I was specifically going to this one, the GPS, like, it was like highway, highway, highway. I was like, all right, cool, cool. And then it started taking you down some like we- really weird roads that are like in the middle of nowhere for a minute. And you're like, am I going to the right place? Then you go through a small town and you start seeing all the white ra- water water rafting places and the camping places. And then, yeah, it's just a cabin. I just pull up and there's nobody there. I'm like, oh boy, what's going to happen? Like, and the guy said, yeah, tourists basically have stopped coming. You know, he's like foreign tourists. He's like, There are a few, you know, but we can't, like, it's hard to, we can't sustain a business on the handful of Belgian and German tourists that arrive. Mostly Turkish tourists will go to that kind of place. And he's like, yeah, the economy's bad. Not, not people are going, but um, yeah. So I went there, but it was awesome. The breakfast was done like 10 minutes. I was surprised. It's just him and this, I think it was his son. Um, Yeah. Or maybe, I don't know if it was his son, but anyway. It was a really cool place. Everybody should go there. Like it's one of those things that, uh, yeah, it's just awesome and not too hard to go to. Um, all right. So 
I was looking down the list. Let's go over season three. So that is, by the way, when I say the end of the season, we're going to be back sometime in September. There's also a Geek Takeover Week episode coming up in August, going with the tradition that I started, I don't know, like 10 years ago on the on the site on foxnomad.com, where it's just a week where it's like the geekiest, nerdiest things. I put it there because it's just stuff I want to like, I don't, it has nothing to do with travel or technology usually. Uh, but we have a special guest that we're going to talk to that does have a little bit of something to do with travel, which I think you're going to be really interested in. That's coming up in August. Uh, but we started season four on in September, early September last year. And the, the title of the episode is Back from Hiatus, Forgot My COVID Test, Traveling in Islamabad, which is funny <laughs> Because I was flying from Guatemala to Istanbul, I don't know, I guess last month, and I didn't realize that if you transit through the U.S., like just on a layover, you don't need it now, guys, don't worry. But at the time, a month ago, way back a month ago, uh, you needed a COVID test, which I didn't have. And I, I didn't get to the airport with a ton of time, uh, you know, leeway time, and I had to get a COVID test. I made it to my flight with 10 minutes to go. I did not have COVID. Yay. So yeah, so I forgot my COVID test twice. Um, and then I look at these episodes, like the October episode, and then in October, two of the October episodes, we talk about traveling to Alaska, talk a little bit more about COVID as well. Uh, it's, it's easy to forget that Delta or Omicron or whatever was then, I guess. Now it seems like there's nothing at all because we're just worried about monkeypox and nobody's wearing masks. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so we did that. We did a Halloween episode, which turned out to be one of the most more popular episodes of the season. That was creepy stories, travel destinations, really like weird stuff. I'm really, I've already done, I haven't recorded it yet, but I already have the Halloween episode for this year ready. Like I, I'm, I'm I'm excited. We might maybe even do some on location recording, like legit on location recording, like where oh like no thank creepy you. stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of like a I, I have something in mind, so I'm really excited about that. It's coming up. Uh, let's see. We did a tech and travel year in review in December, which there was a lot of tech last year. Not so much travel for me. Um, making up for that way in advance. Um, there was a, a trip I took to Pakistan, which ended up being some of the more viewed and commented videos I've ever made. So if you haven't seen those, especially me asking Pakistanis to talk about what they think about India, you should definitely check those out. So, um, and then now that I, I have you here, we also had some guests starting in early this year. Uh, we started with Gary Arndt, who talks about the business of running a daily podcast. His podcast now has, the episodes are like 10 minutes long. It's like a, a fact about a place or a thing. I think he's, he said he had like 6 million downloads or something recently. Like he's been, uh, he's just been killing it. So check out that episode. There's a lot of good insights in there. And then uh, let's see, we talked with Angelina Brogan who is traveling around Ecuador and now to Greece. We talked with Juno Kim about Alaska and Korea. 
now that I have you here, Dennis, let's talk about just a little bit about what it's like to coordinate the guests, like how, you know, we, we, we try to engage the guests like well in advance to recording, but not too far in advance. Right. Like, um, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, reaching out to them is the easy part. <laughs> um, and scheduling hasn't been so challenging. Um, you know, occasionally it is hard to find like a good day and time, especially if, if the time zones are very different, um, you know, depending on like your schedule, where you are, their schedule, that they travel a lot. Um, it can be a little bit challenging, but it hasn't been too difficult. Usually, you know, they're really keen on like working with us and, you know, finding a good time. Um, you know, I don't know how it, how it was in the past, you know, maybe like season one of the podcast, if it was, <laughs> if it was really difficult. Um, but, you know, knowing that I helped a little bit with it in um, the last season, the last two seasons, maybe, um, it hasn't been too, too crazy. And I think we've found really good guests, um, you know, not to brag, but. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, um, I, I definitely, I, I think we've had some great guests. Like, I, I think this season, I think I have gotten more into a flow talking with the guests mm -hmm. and we've had like amazing guests like really good ones uh do you have do you have some favorites um yes i do or maybe <laughs> so, uh, you know I, i'll say um, everyone I, is our favorite but like any unexpected yes. ones or ones that jump yes. out at you <clears throat> yeah i've i've really enjoyed all of them and i'm not just saying that because you're my brother and because i've helped out with this um because i would be brutally honest with you obviously but um, I, you know, I have a dog and so listening to Amy and Go Pet Friendly, um, which I believe was the last episode, um, two weeks ago, um, or about a week ago or however many weeks ago, um, I really enjoyed that, um, because not only because she talks about obviously traveling with pets and, you know, dogs, um, which I don't do very often because I do see it as a challenge, um, but, it kind of has encouraged me to maybe try and take Watson, my dog, place more places um, and, you know, find, you know, trips that I can take with him as opposed to leaving him behind, <laughs> which is kind of what I do now. Um, uh, but I also liked, um, oh my goodness, I cannot remember her name, but the Poe. Um, yes, uh, Catherine uh, Magira. <laughs> yes. Uh, I really liked um, that podcast as well. And I think the, the common thing with those two podcasts is um, kind of finding the lessons that you can, you know, the life lessons that you can take from um, both of them. So, you know, with Poe, I think it was just making, you can kind of make lemonade out of lemons sometimes. And I think that's a really important you know, lesson to learn in life, you know, you can, you can always make something out of, you know, very little or out of nothing. Um, you just have to have like the determination to do so, uh, even if your circumstances are not ideal. Um, and I think with Amy, um, uh, she said something that really resonated with me that, um, 
you know, not every situation is, is permanent. She said something to that degree um, in the sense that um, you can always like kind of change, you know, if you don't like something about the way your life is going, you can make a change. Like it doesn't matter where you are in your life. I don't know that those type of lessons kind of resonate with me. So um, I really enjoyed the things that they said and um, yeah. Yeah. And I'll add uh, Amy and her husband, Rod uh, are from their site is grow pet friendly. So you should, people should check out that. And then Catherine's book is called, Poe for Your Problems, Uncommon Advice from History's Least Likely Self-Help Guru. I have to say, just jumping to that podcast, that episode, that opened up a can of worms for me in, in, a, in a good way. First of all, I was a big Poe fed before, um, especially, I want to say about 10 or 15 years ago, I really got into Edgar Allan Poe because I had seen Jeffrey Combs, who was a an actor who is very popular and he plays a lot of roles in Star Trek. He had a one man play. And so when I saw, I saw her interview, it was a Reddit AMA. It was super interesting. She recommended a book to me. So I recommend her book. It's really, really good. She also recommended a book to me called Poland, which I read where the author interviews Jeffrey Combs. It's really interesting, but he, he spent about, I want to say a year, 18 months traveling to where Edgar Allan Poe, all of like the major sites, like where he was born, places in England, because he went his, it's a long story. His adopted family was English. So he spent some time in England. Like uh, I want to, I, I don't know how many years when he was a kid, they came back to the US and there are all these places up and down the East Coast, Boston, obviously Baltimore, Richmond, and a bunch of other places, so even down to South Carolina. If you want to make yourself a Edgar Allan Poe travel list, which I, I have now, which these are places that I really want to go visit and see, uh, that's also a great book, Poland. And so her book got me back into Poe. And then she has, she's really great. Her newsletter is excellent. Uh, you can find that on her site, which I'll link to in the show notes, um, or you can check out that episode. And then uh, she's very active on Twitter. And so she gave me great advice with Poland and other books and stuff. So yeah, great guests. Um, let's see. We also have D.A. Galloway. We talked about Yellowstone, which I I thought was fascinating. Uh, he's an author and expert uh, and former uh, tour guide in Yellowstone National Park. So much history there, so much both natural history and native history there from all the indigenous people who have lived and live in that part of the United States. Let's see, we talked to Vivian James Rigney, who has climbed the tallest mountain on every continent, which is, and when you're talking to somebody like that, you're like, wow, like, like, you know, he's just like a normal person, right? We were looking at him, but then you think about like, how, Antarctica you know, Everest, like, like it's, it's just kind of nuts to see a human being that has done that. Like that's, that's, that was crazy. That was a great, he also had really good advice about perseverance and taking those lessons from the mountain to like normal life, which I thought was great. 
Uh, let's Did you see. think about that when you were huffing and puffing on your way up to the monastery in Turkey? <laughs> yeah, no, you know what the funny thing is? Like, I was really, I was so excited to be at the monastery. And then I was filming all of this, like, B-roll of me walking up and down the stairs, like, from the top, from the side. So I was like, at, after the crowds had kind of gone away, it was just me running up and down the stairs. One lady was like, man, you're really good at this. <laughs> like, yeah, I've, I've run a lot. This is pretty easy. And I was, like, so excited, like, running up and down. Um when I got to Karsto, just as a side note, it's really high up in the mountains. It is 2,000 meters up, which is like 6,000 feet. I thought, I was like, man, what has happened? I thought something was wrong with my body. It always happens to me when I'm at altitude. I couldn't really breathe. And I, I don't know if if you if you saw my tweet, but it's at 2,000 meters for sea level, there's 4.4% less oxygen in the air. So there you go. It wasn't just in my, it was not just in my head. <laughs> so yeah, so I was acclimated by that point. Um, but yeah, I, I could have used some of his encouragement. Um, we talked, uh, now this is an interesting one. I'm just looking down the episodes in April as we quickly recap. This one is with Marshall Mayer, uh, who is one of the co-founders of Let's Buy an Island. Long story short, you guys should, if you've missed any of the episodes, obviously you can just go back and listen to them, which you should. This one was an interesting one. Long story short, he co-crowdfunded an island off the coast of Belize. Two weeks later, I had, had a trip going to Belize anyway. I made it to the island. Those videos are out. You can check out what that process was like. Super fun. And he's going to be actually in Istanbul this month. And there's like two days where we overlap. So I'm actually going to get to meet him in person. Seems like a really like cool. I was really fun to talk to him. And like all the guests, you know... Like we never, like we interact with them by email. Of course, like Gary and Juno and Amy, like I know of them through blogging that we've kind of been in touch. So I, I have a some idea of their personality. I've seen them maybe if, like Gary has a podcast as well that has a video podcast. So I kind of know what they're like. But for like, you know, for like Vivian, you know, Rigney or, or Marshall, like we don't, no right like until until i hit record um yeah you know like I, I don't think a lot of people know that before so like you know you scheduled the podcast we set up a time we hope the internet works like you know i try to schedule <laughs> when i'm not traveling i want to make sure that i'm you know at a home base where i have good internet and i can record them in advance um to edit those episodes but we don't know what they're like. So before a podcast, I spend like two or three minutes. Sometimes it's longer with people. Then, you know, sometimes I basically tell them, hey, look, uh, you know, we say, hi, nice to meet you. Thanks. The usual. Then I say, do you have any questions? That You know, this is what it's going to be like. I'm going to hit record now because in the past we have started conversations and I've had great conversations with people and Five minutes in, I wish I was recording. So I'm going to hit record now, and then boom, we go. Uh, and so everybody's been super nice. Um, there are other guests, and I don't want to, you know, skip around, but basically check check out these uh, episodes. They're all very good. Um, and then right after this, we're going to jump into the Q&A section because th some of the things I just talked about uh, I got questions from you from Twitter and email. So I want to go over those as we wrap up season three. So 
we were talking about the guests. I wanted to go a little Q&A, a little behind the scenes. Like I said, when the guests, you know, we do video. We re- I, d- I did a poll. A lot of you want the podcast to be released as a video as well. That's probably going to be the case for season four, probably going to be a video podcast. A lot of you don't know probably that we record all the podcasts over video. That started, I think, in season two. And it's just so much easier to see the other person. You know, you, you can react. If the internet gets choppy, I can see that. You don't get as many awkward pauses and such. So we always record over video, um, which is, I think, makes for better interactions. I think it's improved the interactions with the guests. We don't talk very much before. Say, do you have any questions? And then, boom, we go. Uh, is in, yeah, you can feel free to jump in on any of these. But um, we went over a little bit of, of recapping the guests. We went through the logistics of putting it all together. Uh, here are some things I have in my notes. First of all, we went weekly for a large part of the second part of the season, which was intense. Uh, I think what a lot of people don't may not know is that when I record with the guest, we record, we end, and then I record a separate introduction and outro. And then I edit the podcast. So recording that intro and outro always takes longer than it always takes. Like if that thing is like three <laughs> minutes long, it always takes me like 15 minutes. Cause I screw it up. And it's like, you know, like you, after the interview, you're, you're down from this high of talking to somebody. You're like, Oh, that was great. And then you're like, Oh, I got to record the intro and then the outro. And it just, it's always janky. And then I've got to edit the sound there. Usually I don't do it right away, right after it's usually like, a week or two, three after that I record those. Then I have to edit the sound and balance the sound between what I sound like when I record the intro and outro versus when I was with the guest. Also, we tell the guests, you know, we try to make sure that the microphone situation is similar with every guest so that when I edit, I'm not, I mean, I have a good microphone here but that can also be kind of challenging if the other person doesn't because I have to raise up their audio to make sure that, you know, I'm not super loud. So anyway, the the point of the thing I'm making is editing a podcast takes a lot longer than you would expect. And it's not fun because editing a video is super fun because you're like putting together a story. Whereas editing a podcast, it's just technical. Like I'm not, like I'm not doing anything, but just adjusting levels and, clipping out stuff and it's way harder if it's just me like the solo podcasts are always guys i mess up like the funny thing is like the fact that you're on right now i haven't screwed up once (laughs) and it's mostly just me me, you know explaining stuff which is how these usually go but like if it were just me this would have taken forever like forever Um, maybe because it's more like even though i'm not talking as much you're talking to me so I yeah don't know. and i always easier. and i always like like when i'm recording solo like i i realize everybody you know everyone's listening to this but it doesn't like now it just feels like everyone is here now even you know what i mean like it, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's different 
which is nice because yeah, I don't like editing the podcast. I should, I've, I'm looking for an editor. Um, so yeah, so please somebody edit the podcast. Um, <laughs> let's see. We talked to, oh, by the way, we talked to Irina, Irena, sorry, Irena Halupa, who we talked about Ukraine. She is an expert on Ukraine, Fulbright scholar. It has been one of the episodes that have gotten the most questions, most feedback positive for me this season. So I highly recommend if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that, especially with what's going on in the news now with the the war in Ukraine. Um, Yeah, so that's how it goes. So we set up the the interview with the guest if we have a guest. If it's solo, then there's research involved. It's usually a little like travel recap. If it's a travel recap, I have notes and then I just start talking. I think that's pretty much how that goes. That's usual. Um, and if we have a guest, yeah, that's how we, that's how we do it. And everybody's been great. Like it's been, it's really cool. Like, cause it's always, they're usually way more nervous than I am. And I'm like, you know, more, you know, I'm also nervous because it's like, I don't know how it will go. Like some people are very short with their answers and then I have to like, kind of interject a little more, but oh, I mean, I'd say most everybody just like, it's, it's awesome. Like we've had really great people. Yeah. I feel like the guests this past season were all really like they talked on very relevant, you know, topics and whether it was about blogging or life or, you know, or Ukraine um, or pets, traveling with your pets. <laughs> um, you know, I feel like everything was very, everything they said was very relatable. And I, I was just, I really, really enjoyed all the guests this season. Yeah, it, it has been a really good season. And for those of you listening, season four, like we already have some guests that are where we're putting together. I, I'm really, really excited about it. We, we probably will, you know, we'll try to, I, we'll try to go weekly again. Like I like doing the weekly podcast. I love putting out the podcast weekly. You know, it's really for, it's really my travels and being able to edit in time. That's the sort of thing, but I love it weekly. You know, it's just so much more, yeah, people look forward to it. And I get messages if I skip a week. Like if it's like every, normally we do, you know, it's every other week, the episodes go out. But if I skip one of the, if I get to three weeks, which has happened twice this season, I get messages from people and uh, I feel bad, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. But we got extra episodes in between. Yeah, so season four is going to be great. I, yeah, I, I, I mean, like even this, even season three, Sorry, there was a little bit of a lag, I think. Um, even season three, I feel like it was hard um, for us to find a cutoff because we had, you know, so many good people, good guests lined up that are now overflowing into season four. So it's going to be great. Yeah, and originally our plan was to end, you know, the season in May, right? This episode's going out in the mm-hmm. middle of almost toward the end of June, you know? It's, so, yeah, it's yeah. hard. I mean, it... it it's fun. Like it's super fun. I I think we probably are going to work on, it's going to be great to have video versions. I'm looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to streamlining how I record and edit. I want to get better at that so that we can keep up, uh, you know, a a good pace. Um, We have some special episodes, which I'm, I'm excited about like the Halloween episode and some other, some other stuff. I also may record some episodes over the break uh, in person with people. 
if you if you've been listening, you you probably can figure out who the live episode is going to be with. But but we're working on some things this month. But yeah, it's it's uh yeah, I'm excited. Um, we won't spoil who those guests are. You'll you'll have to subscribe, give five stars, and wait and listen. <laughs> A <laughs> um, couple of questions that come up very often. We'll do the Q and A. Uh, Dennis, feel free to jump in. I get this a lot from guests as well, which is funny. They say, "Are you going to edit this?" And I always tell them, "Not for content, unless you say something you want me to remove, like instantly." Because basically, once we're recorded, you know, I'm editing. Like I try to edit right after so that it's ready. Because we edit. Uh, you know, editing takes a few hours, then it's uploaded and it's scheduled. Like it's, it's, it's ready to go. And then, you know, that goes then to our ad partners who put in the, the advertisements at the breaks and so on. So there's a kind of a longer process. Um, if it's solo, like I said, editing, yeah, like I'll cut out, I'll screw up and I'm like, oh, I'll just cut that out and re, re, re say it. I've gotten better at it, so I don't have to do it as much as I've had to do it in the past. With the guests, we don't edit them. So what you hear is what you get. Unless, you know, the internet cuts out or or something like that, you know, I'll cut those parts out. Um, otherwise, we don't edit what they're saying, so you can hear that's it. And uh, some people are happy. Most people are happy with that. They, they don't want to be taken out of context. That seems to come up. Uh, we already talked about time zones, scheduling time zones. You know, we we have a, a we kind of have a time that we we try to pick a time that works for the guests, and then we work around it. Like that's basically how that works, right? Like whatever's good for the guest, you know, we'll find a way. Yeah, you're very flexible about that. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of these podcasts, like now, we've recorded very close to to midnight my time, or just wherever I happen to be. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's always good. And you know, what? the funny thing is I've noticed that recording later at night, I'm, I'm, I'm a little more tired and I'm a little bit more calm and relaxed. I don't get as nervous as opposed to recording yeah. like in the morning or something. I've just noticed that it's funny. Cause also a flight attendant told me that too. She said, if you are a nerve, here's a travel tip alert, travel secret <laughs> hidden travel tip alert. <laughs> Look at you. You've listened this far into the podcast. You're getting a travel alert oh by the way speaking of i recorded uh, yesterday a youtube video which will come out sometime before season four where i'm giving away money but it's not at the beginning of the, it's it's not gonna be announced anywhere you're gonna have to watch and find out where that is in the video and i'll give you an extra clue it's gonna be in a video about about samson turkey there you go you watch that video you can get some free money um I forgot what I was saying. And if saying. you like and subscribe, you'll be alerted when that video comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you guys, listen to me. I have a big, big cash prize that I've already, I've, that not on top of that, that one is money that you're going to get from that other video. But I have another one because we're getting close to some, some milestones on the channel. So yeah. So we're going to, we're going to kick. Yeah. You should definitely subscribe because you could get money. Do you know how much money that and and Apple stuff that we've given away this year? Come on, guys. Um, yeah, so a flight attendant told me this, that if you are a nervous flyer and you are a morning person, fly at night. If you are a night person, fly in the morning. Basically, when you are tired, 
you are going to be a lot less nervous, a lot less anxious just naturally because your body rhythms are going to be working against you. So fly then. Thank you. <laughs> that's a travel tip. All right. Um, I think that's almost it for this episode. I'm looking to seeing anything that we have to say before we go away for a while. Um, even though we won't be here, the podcast is way into planning. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I think we covered it all. Like, like I said, we've got some travel stuff coming up. We've got Geek Takeover Week coming up in August. Really excited about that. So make sure you you are subscribed. Make sure that you give five stars to the podcast. It really helps get the word out. I'm gonna say like we've broken all the podcast records from season two by a lot. Um, podcast has grown. There's been so much feedback. Um, yeah, it's it's really been a great season. And thank you everybody for your tweets and messages. Um, thank you, Dennis, for helping you know arrange with all the guests and coordinate. Um, yeah, is there anything you want to say as we wrap up? No, it's been really fun helping you and um you know speaking with guests and arranging things and I'm really really looking forward to the guests that we have lined up and will line up for next season so literally looking forward to it yeah I am too I am too I almost don't want to end the season but these things was... <laughs> <laughs> that's what I said it's hard it's hard to find the cutoff <laughs> yeah like for people listening like we have it's funny we had guests that we had been trying to arrange for a while and then like we finally you know because these are people who are very busy but also like have a crazy travel schedule also and then they they were like oh hey we can do it and I was like ah the season guys the season's over yeah <laughs> we have to rearrange this that's tough it's tough um yeah so Thank you, everybody, for listening this season. Thank you for your five-star reviews. Thank you for supporting the podcast. I'm. Uh, it's hard to say goodbye, but you'll be hearing from us at Geek Takeover Week in a month or two. And then before you know it, it'll be time for season four of the Fox Nomad podcast. In season four right now, total, we have 72 episodes. We might hit 100 next season. Might get to 100 and probably do something special for that episode. Thank you again, everybody, for listening. And until the next episode, I hope you have a great rest of your day.